Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast. Uh, I am blessed to be joined by another close friend of mine. But before we get to the podcast, I want to make sure our listeners, especially our new listeners who are tuning in for the first time, make sure you follow Banquet Hall Pod on socials. Give us a like. Joanne's about to give you all five-star content, so make sure I'll leave a five-star rating. No pressure, Joanne. All the pressure's on me to get a five-star content. Don't worry. Um, but Joanne, how are you doing today? Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am well and blessed and very happy to be on here. Very. <laughs> it was a blessing to have you. Uh, definitely somebody I wanted to have on the podcast. Eventually, when I started the banquet hall, uh, you were definitely one of those people that I was thinking of, like, oh, yeah, I got to get Joanne on a podcast to tell her story. So I'm very excited to have you on the pod. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, we also have like a pseudo live audience on your end. Joanne's joined. <laughs> Uh, by her girlfriend in the background so if y'all hear some chuckles that mean we doing a good job on the podcast in the back end uh but listeners make sure y'all pull up a comfy seat get you a nice cup of tea going uh if you got a hookah that you want to bring with you and join the hookah festivities uh, <laughs> that's all part of the party here at the banquet hall uh, but lately, I've been starting the uh, podcast with a random icebreaker question. I just pull up off the top of my head so the listener has no idea what's coming their way. And I'm trying to think if I should should I throw a softball to you or you want one that you got to got to think a little bit of. And you might not have to think. Who knows? I like thinking. So you like thinking? OK. All right. So if you could only listen to one artist for the rest of your life. That's not named DJ Almond Eyes. Who would you choose and why? That's horrible. <laughs> Only oh one. Oh my God. You have their whole discography What's the though. other question? No, nah, it's too late. We're already here. Who can do, I'm a DJ. Who can do this? That's why the Who question got to get thrown to the, the rest DJ. For my life. If I give you three, does that make it better? No. <laughs> no it doesn't um yikes my palms are starting to sweat um I don't think I don't think I could answer that that physically hurts me Kyler why would you ask me this question <laughs> I said did you want a hard question he was like I like to think um I like to think but I don't like to hurt oh my god Okay. I really, wow. All right, I'll remix the question for you. How about that? Please, please. We'll spin it back on the turntables for you. Ooh, you're, you're making a playlist and can only include three artists in the playlist. And this playlist has to get you through an entire year. Okay. So it's not the rest I of your life, but a year okay. of your life focused on three artists in a playlist. Three artists. Well, I will say there are artists right now that I could play. He already named one of them that I could play at any party right now and pretty much get away with playing almost all their catalog. Chris Brown, Drake, and maybe ooh, the last one. No pressure. You got Drake, you got Chris Brown. Yeah, Drake and Chris, because they have they have family songs, they have party songs, they have sexual songs, they have all the songs, the the vibes and the moods that you can think of. Part of me wants to say Lil Wayne, 
And mostly because Lil Wayne is like universal. Like you could play mm -hmm. a Lil Wayne song virtually anywhere, any any crowd, any party, and people are gonna dance. It depends on the song, but everybody is familiar with those artists that I just mentioned. I, I rock with it. See, that wasn't so, so bad once we eased up the question a little bit. I'm, I'm still cringing. <laughs> hey, look, if I was on the other side, I would probably cringe too, because I don't know. Actually, I know who I would say for the one artist, but if I had to pick three for a playlist, I think Drake and Lil Wayne are like perfect picks just because the discography is so deep. And then yeah. if we like really flex the rules a little bit and you get their features too, that just opens up like the entire yeah. world. Because yeah. we don't got a Drake feature at this point. At this point, yes. Yes. I agree. No more Victoria Monet for a whole year. Oh, no Victoria Monet for a whole I've year. I've been heavy on Victoria Monet, but I've been on Victoria Monet before I really knew who she was. You know, seeing the visuals of who she is. Mm. Put you know, it, it's different now because it's like, oh, okay, now I see her. She's a little bit more mainstream. But before, you know, I was already listening to her. So that would right. be tough. That's why I can't choose. Like, there's <laughs> there's a lot of artists I'm listening to right now that I'm like, mm -mm, I can't give them up. <laughs> was there an artist that came to mind when I said one artist for the rest of your life? Or like a few you were thinking about? Or was it just an impossible task? There were a few that came to mind. Um, only because I listen to them right now because they have new stuff out. So it's like, I, I'm listening to certain songs on repeat. So I'm like, I can't go without that song right now. <laughs> I would be physically in pain. <laughs> hey, well, the good thing is this is just a random icebreaker question. You can listen to all the music you want after this podcast is over. Sorry yes. for putting you in such <laughs> agony at the beginning of the podcast. I'm an anxious person. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my heart was racing oh my god okay i promise that that's hopefully the only question that's gonna make your heart race like that i can't hopefully. make any promises yeah but i don't know you will see <laughs> but yeah if i were to answer the first question about like one artist for the rest of my life it'll be kendrick like if i could just listen to kendrick lamar day in day out for the rest of my life i think i'll be able to survive that's a great choice. Yeah. yeah, I just I just feel like as far as hip hop, as far as rappers, like Kendrick's just my guy. Like I could listen to Kendrick all day. I've been listening to Kendrick all day. Like that's just that's my guy. And yeah. he's from the city too. So Yeah, I hear you. He's oof, he's a beast. For real. He is I'm waiting for a his, beast. His stuff. He's been putting out some really good stuff with uh Keem, baby Keem. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff that they've been coming up with. The hillbillies mm -hmm. and stuff. It's very mm -hmm. abstract, but I'm 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 fucking with it. I love it. Love it as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started with the podcast itself. Uh, the first formal question I usually ask my guests, Joanne, where are you from and how did that shape who you have become and are in the process of becoming? So I was born and raised Southeast San Diego um 1992 90s baby <laughs> gang gang <laughs> gang gang you already know um living in the southeast <clears throat> growing up it was crazy um the southeast that we see today is nothing like the southeast i grew up in um good and bad um 
Because it was lit. It was lit as fuck back then. But it also was lit as fuck, if you feel me. Like, mm. there was too much going on. So, um, it definitely uh, changed who I was as a kid. Um, early on, I experienced gun violence. Um, my aunt was murdered when I was 11. And she was murdered down the street from my house. So that definitely changed my perspective um, on life and how just short it is and um, how I really just, I don't really deal with the violent stuff like that. I'm not really with that. I don't see the point of, you know, especially taking someone's life. Like that's wild. Like you could literally just walk away from them. There's just no point. So um, that definitely changed me as a kid um i think your level of innocence you know dissipates when you experience that level of trauma and it wasn't just that it was over and over like the, i could count on my hands feet you know how many people i've lost to gun violence um during that time people that i cheered with that that played mm. football that i cheered for uh people that i grew up to next to people that i had crushes on um, family, friends, um, it was bad. So the Southeast that we see now, uh, if you weren't, if you weren't from here, if you just came to San Diego and you're talking about, there's not a lot of black people here, you people. don't understand how heavy we were. I mean, we used to have parades up and down the street of just us, you know, the Martin Luther King parade with the drums. I could hear the drums from my bedroom. I used to dream of being in that parade. And then I was in that parade as a cheerleader. So it was lit, um, but it was also a lot of violence. And then with inflation and all that, a lot of us have left San Diego, but I'm still holding it down here. Um, like I said, I was born and raised here. So this means a lot to me to be here. And, I left and I came back, so I'm here to make here's 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 here to make some changes. Yeah, here to do what I can with what I have. So, hey, yeah. that's, that's that's all we can do is doing what we can with what we have. Um, as you were talking about being from Southeast, I looked back at the last few episodes. I just realized I'm about to have. I think it'll be three straight people from San, four straight people from San Diego on a podcast, which I never thought would happen. Like actually from San Diego. Um, because yeah. last episode that I recorded or second last episode I recorded with Christian, he's from Southeast San Diego. And he mentioned a lot of the similar things about like growing up with a lot of gun violence in your neighborhoods. And one, just like putting so much respect on that for himself. And as you put it on for yourself, like you're not shying away from where you came from. Like you're proud to be from where you're from. And I think that is so important to highlight these stories because as you know, being a San Diego, when people say San Diego, they're like, oh, La Jolla Shores, let me go to the beach, see a palm tree. And because <laughs> that's just how it is. <laughs> I'm not about to drive all the way over there. Not every day, every now and then. <laughs> yeah, every now and then for sure. But I remember just being at like UCSD, especially when I first got to San Diego. I had that same thought. I was like, dang, ain't no black people in this city. 
like not a single like black person live outside this campus but then once i was able to visit like parts of the southeast see different parts of san diego see the art scene get to know people in the community i was like all right y'all got some black people like still ways to go of course but yeah. there's black people here this community here more important real people because i feel like when i was in college i felt like i was around a bunch of like fake people because i was like y'all aren't real humans where the aunties at where the backyard barbecues at ain't nobody playing dominoes everybody just like oh y'all want to go to the beach like the beach is cool but not if y'all ain't barbecuing that's crazy depends on what beach you go to I'm over here. <laughs> and who you go with because back in the day you know i grew up going to the beach a lot we had a lot of events at the beach especially my church so we were there every year at least once a year I love asking people this first question just because you can learn so much about someone in a short period of time by just asking about where they're from, what they think about that. Because I think too often in short conversation and small talk, we'll ask where somebody's from, they'll say San Diego, and then like maybe you'll get a Southeast in there, but you don't really get to hear like how growing up in these neighborhoods impact us. So I definitely appreciate you sharing about like the circumstances you grew up in, the people that have been in your life and have uh, physically left your life due to gun violence um, because all these things are just a part of who we are and who we are becoming. Um, and as we think through like Black community in San Diego, do you happen to remember the first time we crossed paths? Um, I, I know probably where it was, but I can't remember the exact time. I just know that I saw you a lot. And um, every time we interacted, it, we were being goofy. So I just loved your energy. You know, everybody was goofy in that space. So it was just like, it, I don't know. I can't think of a time where you weren't a part of my life. <laughs> you know, only when you weren't. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, yeah. I know that around 2016, that's when I kind of just met everybody and you guys mm -hmm. have been a part of my life since. So it's like, no, I don't remember the exact time that I met you. And I, I know that sounds crazy to say, but I I don't think of the times that you're not a part of my life. So that's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it'd be like that. I feel like when we're in so many different spaces and meeting so many different artists and people, like you kind of just, like you said, like people are just, yeah, this period of my time, I didn't know y'all. Then after that period of time, I knew all y'all. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was at Caribbean Pleasures down in Bonita. I think that was the first I'm time. I'm pretty sure too. But I don't know because that, all that was a blur. It was like we were there and then we weren't there. Um, <laughs> but it was lit when we were there. And I don't remember when we actually, like, I know we were in the same space, but I don't know when we actually crossed paths and had mm -hmm. like a conversation where we're like, yeah, we're, we're cool with each other. We're friends. But Caribbean Pleasures, that, that was a whole vibe. I actually see videos of, you know, what happened back then, either somebody's performance randomly or us doing the electric slide, whatever. And I see who's in there and I'm like, yeah, okay. So we're, we're the OGs, the OG OGs. The OG OGs for sure. If you weren't in that back room that felt like the roof was going to fall on you any moment, I don't, I don't know if you can call yourself an OG because, right. man, what, what a time. <laughs> <laughs> Caribbean pleasures, no shade, no shade. 
all love. <laughs> but it was a vibe back there. We had something going. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just wild that now we're seven years into the future. Like seven, what does that even mean that seven years have passed since then? <laughs> I know, right? And all the things that have transpired um, and how grown we are now. Like, what the heck? We were kids back then. It didn't seem like it. It seemed like I'm still a kid. So, I mean, I'm still a kid too. Um, somebody said that on TikTok the other day, and I was like, you know what? They were like, I'm only thirty, and I was like, I'm only thirty-one. Like, I'm a baby. He was like, I'm a kid. I'm like, I'm a child. Like, I get it. Like, let me be a kid right now, because I don't know what's going on with us. But I feel like. Did we skip our teen years? Like, were we even teenagers? Like, <laughs> I don't know why it feels like we just got propelled into like <laughs> bad knees and the back's aching. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the meat of the conversation. Uh, Joanne, as I was preparing for this episode, I was realizing just how much you have done and do as a person. I was like, there's no way to just like label you as one thing. So I thought I would give you the task of defining yourself so I didn't have to define it for you. So how do you define yourself as an artist, just in an umbrella sense? Um, just as an artist. <laughs> Just as an artist, I, I mean, rock with it. <laughs> I haven't found anything that feels better than that right now because I want to name the things that I am, but it's like those are all under the art of artistry. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm also a chef, but that's a culinary artist. So it's it like is. artist. Um, if you find a, a word that's better, uh, feel free to share it. Um, but I haven't found one that suits me better um because I don't want to be pigeonholed into one category um so yeah artist, artist works I just like to do stuff you know it's earth and we have like how much time here so it's like what all can I do before I'm not here no more so hey I hear you on that uh, but for the purposes of our listeners let's go ahead and list the things that you are doing within artistry so uh, i'll help you out a little bit you already mentioned the culinary arts you are a chef uh, you are a dj which we're going to get to for sure uh what else is under the joanne umbrella you're a rapper for sure what else yeah, is there i love to rap <laughs> i love to sing um i do skincare too but i don't know i guess you can consider that to be a form of art too absolutely you're, you're mixing recipes it's pretty much similar to cooking um I also play guitar and drums and ukulele um and kind of the piano but not really I wouldn't claim that <laughs> but I I just love um doing anything that I can with my hands I'm really really intrigued with architecture mm. um I don't know what it is with that I haven't been able to explore it the way that I want to because you know finances and stuff <laughs> so once I have the money though I'm definitely going in on some architecture mm. um, houses all that stuff I really like to design like scale models of those so I see myself like nerding out on that and doing that in the future too um mm. but just anything that I can I kind of just think of things and I'm like okay how can I get to that point like I 
I can envision it, but I'm like, how can I get to it? And then I kind of just take the steps to get to it. So if it's something that is um, striking to me, like if I see a recipe online um, for a certain dish and I'm like, okay, well, I obviously am going to make it vegan. Um, that's always my goal. Even though I have eaten meat like recently, I don't, I'm not vegan currently. Um, I kind of dip in and out of that. Um, but I mostly cook vegan. Anytime I'm cooking, it's usually vegan. So mm. if I see that recipe and I'm like, okay, I want to make that vegan, I just kind of play with it over and over and then it just turns into what it is. Um, but yeah, your question was about all the things that I do. I think that's pretty much the gist of it, I hope. Um, I make beats sometimes. Um I have beats that I've made. I have songs to the beats that I've made that are on YouTube. Um, You're a mom. I am a mom. <laughs> I'm a mom. I love being a mom. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I love it. Um, my little pipsqueak. That little munchkin. <laughs> that rascal. Oh. That rugrat. Oh, rugrat. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll make sure we have some time to talk about your little munchkin a little bit later. Um, sure. I want to go back to a couple of things you've said already. One, uh, you mentioned tiny houses and architecture. Now, I had the opportunity to go to tiny house convention when it was in San Diego. I got to like see all the tiny houses. And before you get all sentimental, I hate tiny houses so much. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a tiny house fan. Like I, I understand loving tiny houses, but when I step foot oh, in the tiny houses and my shoulders on both walls, like I'm, I'm not with it. Like my head on the ceiling. Not. No, I'm not here for that either. They be trying to live in the little tiny boxes. I don't want a tiny box. Okay, I have vision. I want mine to be. I want it to feel like it's a regular house, but it's, it's all about how you think about each space because mm -hmm. you break up a, a house by rooms. So each room should feel like something. Not, I'm not just putting everything in one room. That's insane. Like I stand up from my couch and I turn and my toilet's right there. Like, absolutely not. That's not what I'm here for. So I feel you. If that's what you saw there, whoo, I feel you. I saw some nice ones that gave me some <laughs> like, okay, maybe I could do this. But the ones where if I go like this, I got the whole house in my hands, like I, I'm cool. <laughs> Why that song? He got the whole world. It came in my hand too, but I didn't want the Catholic school in me to show too quickly on a podcast. But as soon as I did that, I did have the jingle playing in my head. So uh, shout out That's to the crazy. old jingles. That's crazy. <laughs> no, I'm not here for that. So I I feel you though. I'm not here to convince you or convert you to a tiny house lover, but but I do have my reasons for why. I am very intrigued. Yeah, and I know that as someone who follows you on social media, I've seen like some of the tiny house brain and you working with like scale models and just doing the work for your tiny house. So what has led you to want to even think about like tiny house living? Like what was the inspiration behind all that? Um, wow. Um, I think I saw it on TV. And I've always been one that's like, I want a fucking clubhouse. I wanted a clubhouse forever. My parents never built me a clubhouse, not complaining. I'm grateful for what they did. 
but a clubhouse was on my list, a tree house, anything outside and mine. And like, just, I don't know why I'm, I love that. I've always loved that as a kid. And so tiny house to me just felt like it's a fucking clubhouse, but it's an actual house, you know? And then when I started looking into it, I'm like, this is revolutionary to build a tiny house because one, it's on wheels. It's a vehicle. It's not attached to anybody's property. I can move it wherever I want. I can take it wherever I want. I own it. Um, once I own it, you can't do anything about it unless you just decide to destroy it. Uh, then it's vandalism. Then I could sue you. But other than that, it's on wheels. Um, if I bought it on wheels, it's mine. I could place it anywhere that the law allows. Um, I can... Yeah, you don't have to deal with taxes unless you place it somewhere where you have to pay rent, um, which my goal would have been to do something that's on my family's land. So then I could strengthen, you know, our wealth and then, you know, help the next generation and not have to fend for anything at all. So I'm like, OK, this is revolutionary. I can put it off grid. I can uh, have my own water system and connect it to um, like a a filtration system of my own, a, a water catchment system, um, all that. I can do solar panels. I can do composting toilets, which hear me out. Um, there's some cool stuff out there. Um, there's many ways to get rid of your waste. So before people freak out, you can burn it. You can, you can throw it away like how we do and dump it somewhere. You can turn it into fertilizer. You can turn it into methane gas. There's so many things. And I'm just like, mind blown with all the things that come with the lifestyle of living mm -hmm. in a tiny house so i'm like okay how can i apply that to everyday life because really the tiny house um lifestyle is just homesteading um but it's really like homesteading like a nomad so you can be anywhere mm -hmm. um and you can move it anywhere and you can avoid having certain fees that you have to pay permits that you have to pay from the government from our city from whatever um because our city is off the charts i'm not gonna lie to you it's off the charts even with how they've done our tiny house you know idea the concept they've turned it into adus so now people mm -hmm. are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to have it built rather than tens of you know or fifty thousand dollars to have a whole house you know and be a homeowner at whatever age at whatever um socioeconomic level so i think it's a, a level i think it's revolutionary to do it i think that you don't have to go tiny um but the concept of it mm -hmm. you know taking charge of your your AO, as my dad would say, your area of, of operation. He's a military man, so he uses military terms. So his my AO would be self-sustained. That's my goal. A garden, um, my own water system. We don't have that anymore. We're, we used to have wells and, you know, they want to tax you on everything. They want to control everything. They want to charge you for basic necessities. So it's an act of revolutionary um, war against our, you know, our government, our, our system and how we're living. So that's why I'm intrigued by it um, more than anything. And because it's like a clubhouse, like who doesn't want to live in a clubhouse? Come on. That's the coolest thing ever. And the way people build it, it's just so unique and cool. 
And you don't have to fill boxed in. You can build it to where it feels like an open room in every room. Just build mm -hmm. it a certain way. Um, so yeah, that's my long-winded um, <laughs> answer to why I'm interested in that. Hey, no, I rock with it. I think that my the point that I'll just continuously stick on with tiny houses is I definitely have seen where I'm like, okay, this isn't feel like tiny. Like this is just a modular house that you've built and construct in a way that works for you. Yeah. I'm a tourist, Joanne, you know this. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get too far ahead with the modular. <laughs> I'm going to have 72 rooms in my tiny house. I see. I know. <laughs> it's going to be bigger than where I live now. And then it's not a tiny it, house. It. It's all about how you build it, how you design it. And if you're, um, I'm interested in in not having a giant carbon footprint. And if mm -hmm. I do build a mansion, it's going to be something that works in tandem with the ecosystem. So like a living roof, living walls that have, you know, herbs and all types of stuff growing out of it. That's also good for insulation. It's good for insulating your house, but it's also good for giving back to the planet and giving back to the environment that you're, you know, taking over. Because when you knock down that tree or you put that asphalt on that ground, you're covering bugs and other things that are tilling the, the earth constantly creating soil for us. Um, you're covering that land that could be houses for the animals and the, you know, the insects and creatures and things that, that thrive right there. So I want to give back to it. Um, and if I can do it in a way that doesn't harm the planet, which we can build houses in ways that don't harm the planet um the materials we use um not concrete you can use hempcrete or you know mm. things like that you can really you know take charge of how we design our home so that it doesn't you know harm our planet you know all the chemicals and things like that that's in the building equipment i'm i'm trying not to ramble but i know that not you're go for it. I'm going with it there's so many things that you can do that's different if you build a mansion you know you can build it to where it's still eco-friendly and we care about the environment hey i'm with it you've you've definitely been someone who's been on a sustainability wave ever since i've known you you've been talking about growing our own food and sustainable practices feeding into the ecosystem and our environment uh, so duly noted, if I ever consider doing a tiny house, I'll have this conversation in my head. Um, I just have to make sure there's a room for the 85 inch TV in a tiny house and a movie theater and all that. <laughs> Sustainable 85 inch TV listeners, don't, don't, don't shade me. <laughs> I'm sure it can be done. Because <laughs> I'm just imagining myself. In one of those tiny houses, the Laker game about to come on. I I need the I need the big ass the TV gonna be one of the walls at this point in a tiny house. Yeah, but see, you can have a whole tiny house dedicated to just your you know basketball room. Get Club a little twenty four foot trailer and deck it out. Just Laker it up, and it's just for you, like a man cave, and you know just have your own space right there. That's what's hey. cool about it. You can just add on to it. You don't have to have it all in the same house. You can walk, you know, have a deck that connects it and walk to your room and go watch the Lakers undisturbed or, you know, not bothered by anybody. Hey, you speaking my language, undisturbed, not bothered by anybody. I'm with it. thousand <laughs> <laughs> percent. Uh, but thank you for taking us to Tiny House Corner. I haven't talked about tiny houses in so long. I feel like it was like a big phenomenon and no one talks about tiny houses anymore. So it was cool to yes. revisit that part of uh, society, that part of 
2020s, <laughs> 2010s. Um, yeah. uh, something else that you mentioned as you're talking about like growing up in San Diego, you mentioned leaving San Diego. Was that when you went to college? Yeah, I went to LA, East LA. I'm gonna need you to, <laughs> I, hold on. We, <laughs> hold on a second. Because I was going to pause when you said L.A. like that. Then I saw the look that you gave when you said East L.A. and then look to the side. If I was on this podcast talking about Southeast San Diego, then she would be on my head. Don't come for East L.A. No, East L.A. because L.A. is fire. I lived in East L.A., okay? was nothing going on over there. It was either every spot that I was in was dedicated to a culture that I'm, you know, not necessarily familiar with, which I have no problem with. Yeah. It's lit for them, okay? It's lit for me when I go over there and join them. But it's East LA, bro. Like, have you been <laughs> in East LA? Yes, I've been to East LA. Okay, where are my people? Like, what are we doing? Where are the spots? Where, what am I doing here? Okay. Unless I go to WeHo or uh, Hollywood or, you know, just I got to step out and driving there depends on what time of day. Okay. I may not make it there. I love LA though. Don't get me wrong. There's so many things about LA that's unique. There's so many things to do. Uh, I have no qualms with LA, but I lived in East LA <laughs> and everything is over there when you I live that. in LA. <laughs> I feel that. It was just a look on your face when you said it. I was like, no, nah, I can't let you talk about my city like no, that. LA I gave you all this time to talk about San Diego. <laughs> no, he's not from East LA. No, Where I'm from, from South Central, from? South Central Los South Angeles. Central. Okay. See, you know, you know how much traffic I got to drive in to get to South Central? And I used to canvas in South Central, by the way. I had a little canvas job for two seconds. I'm not doing that ever again, especially near uh, USC. That's where I was on Figueroa. They said Figueroa. It was too much going on over there. That's what they said. I did not say that. I did not say that. Okay. But it was a lot of action going on over there and canvassing on foot in East LA and I'm a young black girl by myself, not the greatest idea. Hey, I hear you. It was, too live. Hey. It was like walking through the Southeast. Okay. <laughs> it was like walking through the Southeast. Point taken. Uh, but you said you went to, you went to Cal State LA, right? Mm-hmm. And you studied Africana studies, if I remember correctly. You could say that. We, we call it Pan-African studies. Um, because it's really centered on everybody that's attached to the African diaspora. Um, but yes, African studies, Africana studies, Pan-African studies, Black studies, all of it. And what do you feel like you gained out of studying Pan-African studies? I know that's something that you've talked about, uh, whether it was when you were at UCSD's event, when we officially announced our major, you were talking about the importance of you being able to study that. So what was that experience like? Because I feel like too often when people are talking about like majors, it's always like, oh, well, how's that going to make you money? Or what's that major important for? And I know you got that before. So uh, what was it like being a Pan-African Studies major? I have to say, I get that still to this day. <laughs> uh, what do you plan to do with that? Um yeah, that's great that you did that. So where are you, what do you plan on doing? Like I'm doing it. I'm, I'm already implementing 
what I plan to do after I learned what I learned in college, which is um, Black, you know, liberation, um, starting a business and creating jobs and just um, tapping into our wealth and dispersing it amongst ourselves a little bit more. Um, all that uh, came into that. So being a Pan-African Studies major, a lot of people were like, they were confused. They were really concerned about where the money was going to come in. Uh, not necessarily my family, because um, they were proud of me for going to college. Um, they were already very Afro-centered. So I grew up very Black. You know, my mom never got me any color doll but Black. You know, the books, my books were Black. The artwork in the house was Black. Um, I went to the Kumba Fest, I was a Kumba kid. So I've been a part of the Kumba Fest since I was 11 or however, it was a long time. So I've been a part of a lot of black things. So being in black studies made a lot of sense to my family. Um, but when I talked to people outside of my family, they were like, okay, well, what do you plan to do with it? So I'm like, all right, um, going through the major itself, um, it was life-changing. Um, I already had been exposed to a lot of Black things before and a lot of Black history, but actually, you know, delving into it a little bit deeper with my professors and being exposed to people who have been a part of movements like Black Panthers and stuff. We we met Black Panthers. I met Angela Davis, Cornel West. Um, I've met Ava DuVernay, I've met mm. Erica Huggins, Hank Jones, I've met uh, Kathleen Cleaver, Eldridge Cleaver's wife. Um, I've met a lot of people. They, they probably don't remember me, but I definitely remember the impact that they had on me being there. Amiri Baraka, a uh, poet. Um, I met a lot of people that were revolutionary and transformative and hearing their stories and you know learning the material it just, it showed me that I had to do something. I couldn't just take all of this information in and go back to whatever regular life I was living before that. I had to do something different. And what spoke to me the most, I think, um, towards the end of my, uh, maybe my whole senior year, I was on this health kick. Um, I had already been trying to lose weight and I was, um, pretty much a gym rat in college. I was in the gym all the time seeing no results because I was, you know, my eating habits were what they were. <clears throat> and I started learning about the food industry in college um, and how um, basically there's a system where they take certain foods and they distribute it to communities based off of their socioeconomic level. So if if I have produce that's been, you know, it's almost spoiling or on the verge of spoiling, I may send it to the poor or the black and brown communities, their schools, their grocery stores, and send the, the better produce to the areas that are, you know, more white or more affluent. And so um, learning that it was shocking. It was like, damn, you know, the food, it's one thing to it's one thing to have, you know, chattel slavery all that time. And then now we're trying to liberate ourselves and we're feeling like, okay, we have a little something. I'm going to college, you know, um, 
we're all in the same room together. Like all these things that feel like, you know, we've made strides moving forward. And then to find out they're doing shit covertly that we have mm-hmm. no idea about. So that's all that stuck out to me when I was in college. Like they're messing with our food. They're messing with our air our water. And like the more that I learned, the more I started to feel like I was separating myself from other people because not because I'm personally separating myself, but because I'm thinking so critically about all the things that are happening, all the systems that have been implemented that people aren't thinking about on a regular basis. I'm starting to speak a foreign language to people now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've I've learned this in college. I learned this and that. And they're like, where's the credibility? I'm like, I learned this in college. Like, I read this in this book. I learned this on, you know, and I'm I'm trying to give people information. And when I came out of college, I'm raw and full of emotions. So I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And like, people are like, girl, what are you talking about? And I'm just losing my shit. And I'm like, oh my God, like they're doing all these things to us and nobody cares. And it's not that people don't care. It's how the system works. People are caught up in their job. They're, they have bills to pay. They have mouths to feed they don't have time for themselves they have no self-care time so it's like shit um if they can't care about it i have to like i have to make it my life's mission to care about it because other people don't have the freaking time to um and it's not even by choice so i don't even know what question we were on anymore i just kind of went into the um but i have a strong passion for all the things that i've taken from pan-african studies and learned about what they've done to us as a people, um, and not just here in America, but globally, Pan-African, um, everybody of the African diaspora. So it's our job and our duty for those of us who learn about that stuff to spread the information, or if you can't spread it by just talking to people, implement something that can change. And that's what I'm trying my freaking best to do. Hey, <laughs> I hard. hear you on that. I hear you on that. <laughs> Uh, because as someone who has an African-American studies minor, I definitely resonate with what you said, where it's like you get exposed to all this information, you get out of college trying to share what you learn with people. And then it's just like you're like you say, you're speaking a foreign language or on the other side of that, like you said, the system's working as how it's supposed to work, which is why people don't have time to learn about or talk about these things. And then it's like, wait, y'all knew this the whole time? Like, why nobody tell me when I was growing up that this is what capitalism was, this is what the system was? Because the more and more that you learn about the history of oppression that Black folks have experienced in this country and beyond, there's just so many different layers to it. And so I thank you for uh, just sharing all that you learned and some of the frustrations with translating that for people, because I think that's all built into why when you tell somebody you have African studies major african-american studies major pan-african major they're like oh what job can you get with that it's like what job can't i get with this with this knowledge that i have right i could do anything i already (laughs) could do anything but it's like i can really do anything anyone can do anything so it's absolutely who cares about a job a job like yeah we need money because we have to have money but you can do anything for money to, you can create a job out of thin air. You really don't have to go get a job. You don't have to go to college to get a job. You can you can create a job in any yeah. Absolutely. Which is a good segue as well to start talking about some of the things that you do to keep food and vegan food on the table. Um, 
<laughs> One of the reasons why I like starting the podcast with a, so much background is because I feel like, especially in your case, as someone who DJs, like a lot of times you're just the person behind the turntable. Like maybe you'll get a chance on the mic to say a little something, plug yourself. But how often do we get to hear more about DJ stories? Like I could have listened to you DJ an event 72 times and never know that you were a Pan-African Studies major. So I think it's really cool to kind of go behind the turntables, learn a little bit more about you. And I think that there's no better place to start this part of the conversation without asking. And of course, I know the answer to this, but I got to do the podcast thing and ask for the listeners. How did you come up with the moniker DJ Ominize? <laughs> so um, I'm really glad that you asked that because it means a lot to me to answer it. <clears throat> um, I obviously have almond-shaped eyes. Um, growing up, uh, looking the way that I do, I had very interesting experiences. So um, I felt like I got bullied a lot. Um, I can't say that I was bullied, but in my opinion, I feel like I was bullied. Looking back and reflecting, there were just many moments and instances where my eyes were brought up and um, it was in a negative manner. Um, I got teased a lot by guys that lived on my block and by people at school. So um, growing up and, you know, coming to my own, I, I had a hard time loving myself and then loving myself later. I'm like, I, I love this thing about me. Um, I love my eyes. I love my gap. Um, I've always heard things about, you know, different things, different features, but these are things that I want to embrace. So um, I was trying to think of a DJ name. I actually thought of a really dope name after DJ Almond Eyes. And I gave it to my cousin and it's okay. He can have it. It's a great name. But um, I I don't know when it was that I was just like, yeah, that's it. Um, but I know that this is something that's, that's stuck out to a lot of people about me. I've always been the girl with the chinky eyes, the girl with the Chinese black girl, whatever people come up with. Um, and so I'm like, that is something that's unique about me. It's something that I felt made me, it kind of separated me at times. People didn't let me say that I was black. People would be like, oh, you're mixed. I'm like, I'm black though. Like I am, I'm mixed, but I'm black. Like I don't, you know, go by, mix that's weird um so that's my ode to myself um i love myself um i i'm a black woman um she said something so it kind of threw me off but um yeah i'm not yeah i'm a black woman i love my eyes i love myself so almond eyes just came to me and i feel like i'm proud to wear that because it was something that was tough for me at one point. So here it is, long answer. All these long answers, it's so long. Hey, it's a podcast. Yeah. This is a long form content. It's supposed to give long <laughs> answers. <laughs> um, okay. You mentioned your cousin's a DJ, your sister DJ, your dad DJ. How did you get started as a DJ and why everybody in your family DJ? <laughs> <laughs> so my dad is the, the original guy in the family that DJ, he started decades ago um he met my mom DJing her Sadie Hawkins dance oh wow so, yeah so he's been DJing for a very long time 
And it wasn't towards college that my dad was really pushing, like, you guys should DJ. Talking to me and my sister, I'm like, okay, dad. I'm like, he's always trying to get us to do something. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm looking at him, you know, practice and stuff. I'm like, you know, I already am familiar with music. I'm already, at that time, a musician. And I've already been familiar with playing the guitar and the ukulele and things like that. So, um, and I grew up, you know, just doing music in general. So I knew a lot of songs, but I didn't see myself being a DJ. I'm like, how am I going to know how many songs, like, am I going to have enough songs? Am I going to like know when to play the right song? And so just watching my dad, he really felt confident in teaching me and my sister and he actually wouldn't let us touch um, anything but turntables. So I actually learned on classic turntables, vinyl, everything. Uh, that's how I started off DJing. And he said, until we learn how to do that, we wouldn't move to the more modern version of basically what I have now. So I started doing that in the garage um, at my parents' house. Um, this was probably, I was probably in college um, at the time. Um, I started college 2010. So maybe around then um, I started taking him a little more serious and listening to him more. And um, I had my own setup in LA. So my um, college apartment, I think it was my sophomore year or my junior year. I started practicing more and um, I had moved over to electronic by then. Um, we had been good enough, I guess, to move over. So um, I don't know, I started liking that I could actually do transitions. I could hear the sounds. Um, I have a, I would say I have a very strong ear for music. Um, I also been trained as a musician so it just felt like it was a natural natural flow. Um, and I started playing with it more and realizing that, okay, maybe I do know the songs. And I, I landed my first gig um, in 2013 um, at Tina's. I don't know if you know what Tina's is. <laughs> For those who are from the Southeast and when you hear Tina's, I know they're laughing because Tina's, it was one of those old folk joints mm. where they, you know, get ratchet. Like I said, the old folks joints getting ratchet. Oh, <laughs> you young but old. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but that was the time. Tina's was the time for those who know. Tina's is like 94 is like no not 94 it probably was around like that in city like 2010 it's more like in city tina's oh you're describing the club yeah the club for those who are watching who may be familiar with those spaces it's it's for the older folks okay for the young people. i was way too young to be a part of that crowd but for some reason i had them going and they had me come more than once. I took over a gig for my dad. And from then on, that it just kept happening. I kept coming back to Tina's. Um, I would do a little set or I would do it for the night for my dad. And then, 
it just kept happening. I kept getting booked for different things. And it's so funny thinking about it because my little setup that I had was just so burnt out, but it really <laughs> was just what I needed for the time. Um, but yeah, it just transpired from there. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. And so <laughs> since Tina's, you've obviously done a lot of DJing events. Uh, some of the UCSD folks who listen to this will definitely recognize you because for a while you was damn near the resident DJ of UC San Diego, uh, kind of <laughs> like an honorary Triton. Uh, what has it been like DJing at UCSD? I remember when, I don't even remember when's the first time you DJed at UCSD. I just remember there was some event that was like, we need a DJ. I was like, oh, I met a DJ like not too long ago. <laughs> I remember the first time I DJed at UCSD. It was flexing my expression. That was your first time DJing was flexing? Oh, I'm a legend. Okay. You're a legend. You put me on you put me on the UCSD so tough. It's crazy. I feel like I owe you a check. Thank you. I'm not gonna say no if you do feel like you owe me a check. Yeah, but... Of course. That face you made. <laughs> you say, hold on now. If you want to rent me one. <laughs> but yeah, flexing my expression was the first one. Um Jeez, I think me and Ardis DJed, didn't we? Mm -hmm. So that was the very first time. I think after that, I got a booking. Um, and it was lit. It was on and popping from then on. That's crazy. But yeah, that was the time. That that flex in my expression event was lit. It was huge. It was I think huge. that was one of the largest crowds that I had DJed in front of, too, at the time. Dang, mm -hmm. let me pat myself on the back for, yeah, for flexing. Keep patting, because one of the largest crowds that I had performed for ever at the time was UCSD because of the graduation. Mm. That was the largest yeah. crowd for theme. Dang, uh, you've done some events. So you, you did a graduation. Uh, didn't you do that one event where like Michelle Obama was like giving like a live stream <laughs> like speech or something? Mm -hmm, that was also the... Uh, was that the that wasn't the grad that was the graduation wasn't it? No, it was a different event. It was like some oh, type of. Oh, it was of, like a college uh welcome. It was a college access event. Yes, yes, yeah. That was woo. That was lit. <laughs> that was lit. I still can't believe I was up there. Oh, you're <laughs> really paying me to be up here. I didn't even play that long. You did crazy. it, but hey, I just I remember <laughs> those earlier events because we'd be like negotiate like not nah, like charge your price like this is a big old university in la jolla like they can pay you what you're worth because i would tell people your rates and they'd be like that's it i'm like wait let me text joy real quick they said <laughs> when you told me to raise it up i said are you sure is he serious raise it up i hey, would never think of what it is now that's crazy. And I actually keep that as the standard now for any university that I do. So as you should. It as you should. probably should be more, but I'm gonna leave it where it is for now. I'm not trying to get too crazy, but I'm very grateful. <laughs> I feel that. But I think that was a time in my life where I was really understanding what power I did have, because you brought up like studying like pan-african studies and how you have this knowledge what can you do with it and it's like whatever i can that i have access to and i was like hey yeah. 
I don't know how to save every black artist in San Diego, but if I have an opportunity to pay them, like let's let's get it popping. <laughs> yes, and you've been putting people on, Kyler. You've been doing the damn thing. You've always been making big moves and putting people in and plugging people in. You've been plugging me, uh, my sister Ashley. You plugged this us and just as Black Girl Magic, and then to be plugged in as a DJ too. I felt like I damn near went to UCSD. <laughs> hey, you, you part of the Trident community for sure. Like, for sure. People, people still be asking. They'd be like, oh, where they DJ Almanize at? I was like, oh, just hit her up this <laughs> email address if you want her to DJ. <laughs> yeah. And they just hit me up too for, for December. So I have a See, gig coming up. We are on. Um, what types of e events that you DJ are like your favorite types of events to DJ? Like, are, is it weddings? Is it more like a club atmosphere? What's your favorite type of event to DJ? Mm. um weddings if it's only the reception okay if they have me do the ceremony <laughs> I mean I'm gonna do it obviously but it's a little bit more pressure like I, I, I was gonna go off just now but I was like somebody's watching so let me let me be gentle because it's not it has nothing to do with them the people that are booking me it has everything to do with the tension that surrounds mm. a wedding so it's like, I don't want to be involved with that. Like, I'm just the DJ. And sometimes people take out their frustrations on the DJ. So, like, they're blowing my phone up. Where are you? Are you on the way? I'm like, bro, I take 10 minutes to set up. Like, I'm literally down the street. Calm down. Like, so weddings are tense. But the reception, when people are letting loose, they got the drinks flowing. I get some food. Like... <laughs> It's lit. I can't have no complaints. Uh, it's for me the reception of a wedding, a regular house party, like mm. a classic, especially. It, I can't say black people because I've been to house parties for every culture. I've been to Mex Mexican house parties lit as fuck. Okay, I'm going to be eating. I'm. They're going to, do you need some more tequila? No, I don't need no more tequila. Please don't give me no more tequila. They're going to make sure I'm taken care of. Black people gonna make sure I'm taken care of at a house party, okay? Um, and it's not just about me. It's really about the fact that it feels like I'm at my family's house, you know? Mm. I'm a part of the family too. Um, so usually those type of private events where people, they're undignified. They're, they're not sitting there, you know, trying to be uptight. It's not a tense event. It's not a banquet hall event, you know? It's just down home fun. Those are my fave. And then, of course, club events. Come on, now. Of course, club events. That's not the top of the list, but it's up there. Because, come on. It's the whole vibe when it's at the club. Hey, all I took from that is that the banquet hall events are your favorite type of events because we are at the banquet hall right now digitally. So <laughs> I'll I'll take that as the banquet hall. You're getting at my, my throat. Not that kind of banquet hall. Because this... This is undignified. I don't have to, I'm not sitting there in a suit and tie convention and I got to be quiet. <laughs> they want me to play the music in the background every now and then. We're not turning up. No two shorts being played. Like, no, I'm just <laughs> One of the things I want to make sure that we had some space to talk about, um, I feel like a lot of people they don't really respect the craft of being a DJ. Like people think that you're just pressing buttons on a laptop or 
choosing songs or you probably get a lot where like, oh, I know how to DJ. I know this song flows with this song. Uh, so what do you, you have the microphone. What do you wish people respected more about the art and craft of being a DJ? Like the hard parts of being a DJ, the parts that don't get as much love. Give us some insight at, into the life of being a DJ. Okay, Kyler. Wow, chill. <laughs> uh, you open a can of worms. Um, yeah heavy on what you just said um people really think as soon as they hear me dj they see me up there it's like oh i can dj and then they definitely a lot of people think that they have better song choices than me so they're there's always that one person that walks up with their phone either they just show it to me or they keep coming back up hey i know you heard this you know you know we about to get them going with this one it's all types of ways that like y'all together um, <laughs> huh you said what they come up to you like y'all together like it's a team like, effort like we planned this and you know i just i appreciate song requests because i want to know what you guys want to hear especially i don't mind people doing my job for me okay you want to hand me a whole playlist sure i'm fine with that however when you think that your song choices are better than mine and you're like um, kind of stalking my turntable, like, oh, can you play this and this and this? And then if I don't play it at a certain time or if I don't play it when they want to hear it, then it becomes a thing. Like, that's the thing. I've had people throw money at me in a whole song list and expect to hear every song because they gave me the money and the song list. I appreciate the song list. Thank you for the tip. I'll get to a song or two, but I'm, oh, I'm the facilitator for this evening. <laughs> I'm saying that with all the love in my heart, but I'm booked for this. So let me do my job. But there's been a lot of weird things that have occurred as a DJ. Um, I'm not afraid of requests. I love requests. I love when people come up and interact with me. Um, but people get a little wild, especially when they've had drinks. It gets crazy. Um, but yeah. Um, what was the question again? Where uh, I don't want to uh, hear. Pet peeves about being a DJ. Hard parts about being a DJ. Just whatever you feel like. People need to know more about life as a DJ. <laughs> Okay, I'm also a female DJ. So mm -hmm. being in an industry where it's male dominated, you have a lot of guys that either they they used to DJ, they they DJ now in the house and they, you know, they familiar with a little something. Sometimes they'll come up and like literally be in the booth, like come into the booth uninvited and just stare at what I'm doing or, oh yeah, yeah, what are you working with? Or ask me questions to see if I'm knowledgeable of my equipment or my software programming. Well, what kind of board or system are you using? Every If you're not using Serato, like what are you doing? Like just the questions, the the banter, the, com the conversations, a lot of people be like, a lot of people that are DJs that wanna kind of let people know in the space that they're a DJ. They weren't booked for the event, but they want you to know that they were, they're also a DJ. They'll come up and, oh, you know, well, I used to, you know, it's, it's certain things that are just like, okay, 
people are just funny. It's not necessarily a pet peeve. They're just burnt yeah. out for it. They're burnt <laughs> the hell out for it. Um, but yeah, my my biggest pet peeve is when guys not because I can't say women because it's not a lot of women that are in this industry. So it's not a sex sexist thing, um, but it's just a thing that happens with a lot of the guys that I work with. Um, they assume that I don't know what I'm doing or they assume that I need all this extra help. Like I was fumbling around with a cord one time trying to get it in to the, to the slot, but I was also thinking of something else and doing something else. So I wasn't really, you know, paying attention. And someone came up and asked me, do you need help? Like, like, I appreciate it, but absolutely not. Like, I can do this with my eyes closed. I really don't need help. Um, I know what I'm doing. And as a woman, sometimes people come off where, yeah, they're being helpful, and I appreciate that. But then other times it's condescending, and I really don't like that. I like to – I know what I'm doing. I'm knowledgeable of what I'm doing. Um and I just, I don't need anyone to micromanage me and do anything like that. Not to rant on, but. Hey, no one likes a micromanager. No, I'm looking at you because there's there's been an incident recently where somebody did that and they were just really micromanaging me. Like it was my first gig. I'm like, I've been DJing for 10 years. I really like, I think I know what I'm doing right now. Right. This present day, not being braggadocious, but I think I know what I'm doing today. <laughs> yeah you're you're the expert in the room stand on your stuff um but thank you for giving us insight into life as a dj uh i wanted to touch on a few other areas that you are as an artist uh, before you get to the tail end of the podcast uh going back to you as a rapper uh folks who have been to open mics in the city or seen you perform they've seen you cypher they've seen you spit bars we used to call you dj <laughs> all bars for a minute um <laughs> I still have some of your music in my rotation, uh, especially depending on what type of mood I'm in. Like, uh, what's one of the more the later ones? Uh, I'm just trying to get paid with Reed Blues. I feel that song so much. I'm like, man, especially after a long day at work. I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get paid. Please get the fuck out of my way. Please. Oh, my God. <laughs> but how did you what made you want to start rapping and being a lyricist? Oh my God, this is a story. It's so funny reflecting on that because I used to be so shy about rapping. I thought my voice was terrible. So I used to, I've, I'm basically Issa Rae on Insecure and Awkward Black Girl, the series. Like mm. that is me a thousand percent. It's my life, I swear. I've been writing rap lyrics for forever, you know? I started off writing poetry as a kid. So in college, I don't know what it was, but one day I was like, I think I could rap. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna explore that. But I explored it secretly. So I was like writing rap secretly in my room and spitting it in the mirror. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. Cause I sound like, it's my. it was my talking voice at the time. It just did not sound right. It sounded crazy. So I used to kind of just do it in the bathroom of my apartment, like deep in my room. My bathroom is like the deepest you can go in my room. So I would be mm. in the bathroom. No one could hear me spitting like what little bars I had in the corner. 
on the toilet, just trying to, you know, see if I could rap. I'm like, I really feel like I could rap. I really feel like I could write some bars. So I started doing it more and more. And then I started sharing it with my, my girlfriend at the time. And I didn't feel confident enough to, you know, do that in front of her. Um, it wasn't until I moved back home um, after I graduated college in 2015 um, that I started working in the studio a lot more. I had already been in the studio um, writing songs, recording songs. I've been doing that since I was in high school, or middle school, actually. I started on Cubase. Anybody who's a producer, if you know, I started with Cubase, and then we moved to GarageBand, and then I moved to Logic, and that's where I'm at now. But um, yeah, I started practicing more on the mic and I was like, you know what? I can rap. I don't care what anybody says. I know I can rap. Um, so 2015 was like this weird year where I was just in the studio every day, just, just trying to do something. And that's when all my SoundCloud songs started popping up. So I was in there with my my cousin Jerron. He's a rapper too. He had a group called the Dudes, and so uh, <laughs> why not <laughs> saying it out loud? Like no, that's it was tight. That's it was tight. Cool, it was tight. No, don't do them like that. <laughs> no, I rock with it. It's just so chill. I'm like, yeah, the dudes. Like I would the listen dudes. to the dudes. <laughs> the dudes. No, that's just... it. Was dudes with a Z too. Oh, I already knew it was with a Z how you said it. <laughs> no, but we used to be in the studio all the time. Just um, they would make beats or work on beats and I would rap with them. It was him and my cousin Jerron and his friend Desmond. And, you know, damn, it actually started before that. I'm lying. I'm lying. I was rapping in high school. Me and my high school friends did a song called Tasty Cakes, right? Don't judge. What is he? It was like Tasty Cakes, Tasty Cakes. And you would like jerk, you know, the jerking movement was lit back then. So you do a little jerk dance with it. Don't hate. Don't hate. Yep. The elbows up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did that song back then. I didn't actually connect those dots. But I did mm. record, I recorded, damn, I recorded whole ass raps back then. I just did not connect those dots. I have a song um, that I wrote in eighth grade called Welcome to the Cell Life. And it was for um, biology class, obviously. <laughs> and it was to Welcome to the Good Life, the whole beat. It was, a, it's a whole song. Chorus, I know it by heart too. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. I have it on my old ass iPod Nano. It's on my iPod Ooh. Nano. <laughs> I, I need to hear it. So um, I was rapping back then. I think I didn't take it serious. Like I could spit bars like, like a dude, like, you know, um, I keep saying dude and like I, I don't mean to be like it's not sexism because women spit bars too but I like for some reason I just didn't think I don't know I'm I wasn't taking rap that serious I was more trying to be a singer so and when I uh, moved back home I started recording songs I started recording songs on my own and then with the dudes 
And um, we have some songs on YouTube right now, actually. You can find it on there now. Um, she's going to look it up. But yeah, I already got um, YouTube open from, too. Then on, from then on, I just kept doing, it was more like, it wasn't publicized that much because people didn't take me that serious back then. So I would post my SoundCloud song and I'd be like, y'all, I did my SoundCloud song. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And I get a sprinkle of, you know, reactions and it was cool. And then um, it wasn't until I started doing the open mics that I'm like, okay, I actually... I really feel like I could rap. Like, I felt like a solid, like, I want to pursue trying to do a song or trying to do an album or a mixtape. Um, and then it just went from there, I guess. That's a, I, why are these answers so long-winded? It is a podcast. They're supposed to be long. It is a podcast. But I'm that's like, what I don't want to lose my train of thought or where I'm going with this. Hey, that's what I said. I'm the host. I got I got the train of thought going at all times. I did look up Everything is Great by DJ Almanize and the Dudes, and it came up, so. Stop. Just run up on me, don't you I'm you'll get the work like LA Fitness. Poor, son. And she's the doozy lit. I got golden ambition, nigga. I want all of it. Health, wealth, and knowledge, and I spread it to the world and shit. Woo! I love it. Oh, I love it. Never speak that walk past you. They pay attention like they pass dues. That's my Ooh, favorite line. That that's one of my favorite lines that I spit. <laughs> but. That's cringy as hell at the same time because that voice, <laughs> that voice that was coming out, like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all got our start when it comes to the lyricism, the art, all of that. So I appreciate you giving us a snapshot into DJ Almond, DJ Almond Bars, um, <laughs> the, rapper, the, the rapper. There was a point in time for the Lord. listeners, if y'all wonder why I keep calling DJ Almond Bars, I forget what you perform that black expression but you perform something and then for the next like six months after i would just tag you in like almond joy candy bars on facebook because it's like <laughs> man she got bars and we just start naming different candy bars uh what a time right. what a time what a time oh do you have gosh, a favorite <laughs> no nah, I, I like dj almanize for sure but do you have a favorite song or project that you've put out or been a part of um Wow, that I've been a part of. Is it face the wall, Shotty? <laughs> that is cringy. Okay, because my dad posted that and I did not approve that post. So it's cringe. Like I did not name that song that. And he won't take it down. <laughs> and it's one of my top songs. Like get off there. <laughs> it's cringy. Um, I think my favorite project, um, it's probably my current one because it's, it's the one that I actually put the most energy into. I actually went to a studio. I paid a producer to produce my vocals. I, you know, paid for the artwork. Me and my girlfriend worked on that. Um, you know, 
all of it, the production was just better. It was better quality. My first album, I did everything myself. So it's like, I'm still proud of that because it sounds how it sounds, but I, I did it and I'm proud of it. It's not available online. I need to put it back up there. Um, but my current project is um, my baby. Um, all of my projects are my babies. Um, I can't, do I have a favorite song? Um, sonically, everybody loves I'm the Captain. I love I'm the Captain too. Um, obviously, well, cause I wrote it. I love that song, but uh, Slide on a Late Night um, is probably sonically my favorite song on the album because I feel like everything production wise and just the sound that it is, I was really going for like a Cali West Coast, you know, type of vibe type of song. I, I had like blasts in mind and like, um, yeah, it just, that was, that's probably my favorite song because I feel like that's the song that would have been the one if, if any song, if they picked the song, if they, um, whoever picked the song to like, you know, blow up, that would be the one. Um, but I really do, I love the concept of trying to get paid and how it came to me. Um, because it, it was really inspired by another song. It was inspired by Sad Girls Love Money by um, Caliucci's and I can't pronounce her name. I think it's Amare. Um, I don't want to get it wrong, but they say in the song, um, get the fuck out of my way. I'm trying to get paid. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's my shit right there. And the, the whole song feels like an anthem to me. So I was like, man, that's really what I'm on right now. I'm just trying to fucking get paid. I'm just trying to make some money. I'm just trying to live like, and that concept stuck with me and it really turned into a song. And I love that I can recall like the whole process of it. Like it really was something that was inspiring to me and then turned into something else. So those two were probably my faves for the long answer that I'm giving you. <laughs> if you reference long answers one more time. Um, but now nah, trying to get paid, that's that's on every playlist just because it's like, I feel that. Especially with Bree say like, I'm making moves, bitch, get out of my way. I'm like, yes. 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 She went hard on that bird. <laughs> she went hard, yes. Yeah, shout out to Bree Blues. Shout out to Bree Blues. That song is lit. I loved having her on it too. Absolutely. So listeners, make sure y'all tap in with DJ Almond Eyes on different listening platforms. We'll get to where they can find you in a bit. Uh, but I know that we're running a little short on time. I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. Uh, so I want to touch on a couple more pieces of you as an artist and as a creative. We'll get into some quick hitter questions and then we'll get on out of here. So uh, first things first, skincare, hair care. Uh, when I first met you, before I knew you were a DJ, before I knew you were a rapper, you were a black mantra. You had the skincare products. And I'll never forget because you used to always tell people all the ingredients in them. It's like, you can eat this if you want. I was like, I'm not about to eat my shea butter. What the hell? But he's like, you could if you want to. You um, could. <laughs> I know. You, all, you always said you could. And I always respected that. And I think that would made 
your marketing so great for this is because obviously you look at your skin and your hair. I was like, okay, it obviously works for you. So let me, Thank let me see what the shea butter talking about. Uh, but why is skincare and hair care so important for you? And what made you want to start making your own products? Right. Um, so it kind of ties back into um, what we talked about earlier with my degree and things like that. Um, I started paying attention to what I was putting in my body more. Um, and then, of course, naturally, that makes me wonder what I'm putting on my body. Um, so it was around 2014. Um, no, it was prior to that, actually, in college. Um, me and my college roommate were experimenting with different skin stuff. Um, and... I have to get personal because that's the reason why I come up with some of the stuff that I come up with. Um, I was a little sweaty, you know, like just, you know, I want to be a little fresher throughout the day. Like, you know, being a college student, you're walking around campus all day long, just sweaty. And I, I just wanted to know, like, if there's anything I could do about, you know, being sweaty in certain regions that I just didn't want to be sweaty in all day. And my roommate had mentioned something. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, I wonder if I could, you know, being the weirdo that I am, I'm like, I wonder if I could put this here. I wonder if I could use that there. And I started experimenting with my power to the P uh, formula. And I also at the time was working on my face. So I was using um, raw honey and my roommate was using coffee scrub that was mm -hmm. my first time he hearing about coffee scrub I'm like you can rub coffee on your face and she was like yeah and I was like what so I went down a rabbit hole I'm on YouTube um I'm looking up everything I don't we didn't have Pinterest at the time so it was just YouTube and I was like what all can I put on my face that's like you know food and natural because you can rub coffee and it does what it, it increases mm -hmm. your collagen it uh, beautifies and brightens and tones your skin and removes dark spots. I'm like, what the hell? Coffee? So I'm like, that's really interesting. So I look into that. I'm like looking at the ingredients that's in the package that she showed me. And I'm like, I didn't know that you could use these things on your skin too. So then from there, I'm like, okay, what else can I use on my skin? So I looked up honey. Um, I came across honey. I found out that honey cleans out your pores. I'm like, okay, cleans out my pores. All right, let me try it. So I'm using honey on my face. I have honey and coffee in my bathroom in my college apartment. And I'm just experimenting with stuff at the time. And it's starting to work. Like I used to actually have uh, breakouts often. I would break out really bad. Um, me, my mom, and my sister have acne prone skin. I have less oily skin, but my sister and my mom have oily skin. So they've always had acne issues. And I had acne issues in college and um, skin issues too. I used to get these little bumps on the back of my arms. And I was using Dove and other soaps. And you know, not to get too personal, but I just noticed things about my body, you know, scents, things like that, that just, if I change so this happens. If I use this, this happens. And I'm wondering if I can do something about that. Then I find out about oils, like, oh, I could put oils on my skin. I could put oils here. I could put oils there. I'm like, oh, okay. So 
I came up with my own concoctions and I've been doing that my whole life, creating concoctions and stuff and just using it and seeing what it does. But at the time it worked. I'm like, okay, I use my, what I call my power to the P. It's an intimate deodorant. I actually have some literally right here. Okay, product <laughs> placement. Uh, this has no label though, cause I'm working on new products. So yeah, I have some stuff coming out. I have, she, here she goes. I have um, something here. I'll pull it out. But in the meantime, I have a lot of things here, actually. Maybe it's not right here. This is my power to the piece. So right now you see it has flowers in it. I don't know if you can see it. I'm upgrading the bottles and just the overall look of it because I, I don't want to limit myself anymore. I said I was going to just keep it local, but I might want to expand. But this product... Um, I was like, you know, what kind of deodorant can I use in my other areas that will keep me fresh? I know it sounds crazy to just talk about it, but we all want to feel that way. You know, um, at the end of the day, if somebody wants to run up on me and kiss me or whatever, or be in my intimate space, I don't want to be funky. Okay. Nobody yeah. does. So this started working. I was like, what the hell? Um, so from then on, it just transpired into more and more when I, came home from uh, college, my parents were urging me to get a job. And I was like, no, um, I have visions of doing other things. And I have an idea about a skincare line. I'm like, people are always talking about um, if you if you take away something from them, like if I take away the, the idea that all the things that you use on your skin right now are unhealthy and toxic for you, I have to give you something in return so that you can not mm -hmm. be lost and like, oh, what the hell am I gonna do if I, you know, stop using that stuff? So I wanted to be a source to, to help you transition. I really wasn't seeing myself as being the only source, but mm -hmm. just a source. So it transpired into an actual skincare line. And I remember doing trials with my family um, I had a mask, I had scrubs, and I started, you know, getting them to try it. I have pictures and actual, you know, content of them trying it back then and just seeing what worked. And they all liked everything. Everything, I mean, naturally, it's going to respond to you because it's of the earth. It's natural. And what I know about fruits, vegetables, herbs, things like that is they do what they say they're going to do. Um, mm. if you really use it especially if you're consistent with it it will really work um, and especially if it's the right thing if it's potent if it's not mod genetically modified and all that other stuff so um, it was birthed at that point when I realized you know there's nobody else that's putting out this type of product I have to do it mm. uh, we see that things have changed now um there's plenty of people that are embracing plant-based products, but at the time that I did this back then, no, <laughs> you could, you would not hear of anything like that. People were like, you want me to put what on what? Like, no, I had to over explain my products mm -hmm. all the time because people were like, what's in it? And I'm like, well, what's in the soap that you use now? Like compare and contrast, like, no, people were just not having it. So now people are more open-minded, but but yeah, that's what burst um, 
my skincare line just messing around and being a weirdo in my house and just trying different things like oh I can use this put this wear and do what okay hey, I love <laughs> it um as you were saying that there's a friend of mine that I feel like you would have really good synergy with who I'm pretty sure you might have met before but she does black beauty near you and she sends um beauty products to product her target audience is like black women in college like college students but when she sends these beauty boxes to people she usually includes like samples of different black owned beauty products or like promo codes for uh different black businesses so I feel like we might need to get some of your DJ almond butter into the black beauty boxes so Jada if you're listening to this Jada, if you listen to this, which I, I know you probably are, tap in. <laughs> You've been calling it that forever. I actually named one of my butters that because you had called it that. The DJ Almond Butter? <laughs> yeah. You had named it that before I named it that. I'm trying to find... Um... Here we go. So, like I said, I'm making new products. I really wanted to... Um... Do something that I could see like being at Target. So mm. I've been working on new stuff. So here's one of the the new products. Okay. Um, this is actually an intimate watch for both. An okay, and label. I like that label. Thank yeah. you. I've been really trying to step it up with the label. I'm gonna not move it too much so it doesn't work. <laughs> but this is gonna be coming out um shortly, soon, very soon. Um, I don't want to put a time limit on it because I don't want to be lying if it's wrong. But this is what I'm doing right now. I really want to um, get back into it because I still see people using crazy products. Like, what are y'all doing? Okay, let's stop doing that. I Saving the world one skincare product at a time. Try my best. Try and my that's best. All, all we can do. Um, Joanne, this podcast has been a blast so far. Uh, we're nearing the end of it. So have like a few quick hitter questions, whatever comes first to mind. Don't feel the need to give a long thought out answer. Just whatever you spew out first totally works for the question, especially for this first one, because this first one, I feel like I ask people, then they really want to give like the perfect all encompassing answer. Who are, <laughs> who are some people who inspire you or influence you? You don't got to go through the whole lineage and name every single person. So if you listen to this <laughs> and she don't mention you, it's okay. I promise that she still likes you. But who are some people who inspire you and or influence you? Um. Well, it's easily my parents because they definitely brought a lot of these um, gifts to me. Um not saying that they gave them to me, but they exposed me to the idea of expressing myself in those ways. So the food, the music, you know, I, I definitely am grateful for my parents for exposing me to those things to um, learn about. My grandparents also, uh, my grandfather is a pastor, a retired, and he's always been a powerful voice. Um, my grandmother too, because she supports him. She's standing behind him, even if she's not the one standing in the pulpit. She's the backbone. And I actually saw that growing up. I saw my my parents, my grandparents and their marriages and just, you know, being, you know, um, everyday heroes for me. And those are the people that I, I can think of off top. Um, of course, there's artists and stuff that inspire me, but people that I've you know, ran in, in into every day, those are the people that I really like to credit. So my parents, my grandparents. 
beautifully stated. Beautifully stated. Uh, this next one, this is a new segment of the podcast called The Fourth Place. A little bit of background to The Fourth Place. Uh, there's this case study that we had in my MBA classes. We we're talking about a certain coffee shop uh, who was trying to figure out how to position themselves. And they wanted to be this third place. So the first place being your home, second place being work or school, third place being the coffee shop where you go to chit chat, hang out in between work and school. And so with the fourth place, this question is, where is a Zen place for you? And by Zen place, I mean a place, a scenario, or just certain set of circumstances where you feel the most peace of mind. Um, I physically like to be in nature um, anywhere, really. Um, the park, or the beach, um, but anywhere that there's a tree or anywhere that there's wind blowing um, and I can just drown out the, the sound of the city or people or things like that, things, sounds like that, um, that takes me away because then I can actually focus on my inner self and my thoughts and my breathing and, you know, what the hell is going on with me. So um, being able to get away into a, a place where there's nature and a place where there's winds and or the roar of the sea or, you know, the splashing of waves, whatever, just nature sounds and just peace uh, amongst, mm. you know, earth and greenery. Yeah. Hey, as an earth sign, I love my earth and greenery. So definitely vibing with you on your Zen place. Uh, where can people find you and how can people support you and everything that you do? Awesome. Um, I'm on the internet and stuff. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the real DJ Almond Eyes. I do have a page on there that's been hacked. It's at DJ Almond Eyes underscore now because they kept trying to change my name so I couldn't find them. Um, so that page, I, I'm glad it's still up because you could see all the things that I used to do on there. Um, but do follow my new page to see what I'm currently doing and you could tap, tap in with me or, you know, connect with me on there. Um, I do have Facebook too, Joanne DJ Almond Eyes Guillory. Um, I have music everywhere. If you just search DJ Almond Eyes with a Z, you can find my music on virtually any platform. Um, I do have different music on SoundCloud. So my first few songs, the original stuff, the stuff that's raw and unfiltered is on SoundCloud and everything else is on every every other platform. Um, and if you wanna you know, tap in with what I'm doing around the city, um, I have some stuff brewing for 2024. That's going to be lit. Um, it's still in the process, but I know that there's going to be a lot of crazy things happening. Then. But um, if you're interested in tapping into those things, just follow me on those platforms. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, more than likely you'll see where I'm going to be next to DJ or to uh, pop up for a food event. Um, if you're tapping in with the Old Globe Theater, um, that's more than likely where you'll find my vegan food right now. We cater for them on a regular basis, um, but I'm not doing regular pop-ups right now, but we will be. Um, if you're looking to donate and get me a food truck, <laughs> hook your girl up, please. If anybody has a food truck to spare, a trailer to spare, 
I will take that off your hands so that I can convert it into a food truck. <clears throat> but other than that, if you're looking for bookings and my upcoming events, follow my Instagram and all that info will be on there. Um, my next event is the She's Worthy event. It's an event for single moms highlighting and celebrating uh, ourselves and what we do. And that's going to be in the Southeast over here on this side. Okay, perfect. Um, so last formal question of the podcast that I prepped you for, then I have one more surprise question that I'm going to close us out with. I promise it's not as agonizing as what we started <laughs> with. Uh, going to end us on a nice, wholesome note. Okay. Uh, but the last formal question, what are takeaways from this episode for you as well as what do you hope our listeners are taking away from this episode? Um, I think that in this episode, I realized that I don't honor myself enough mm-hmm. um, or reflect on all the things that I've accomplished um, sorry, I'm getting all teary-eyed. I don't know what that's about. That's fucking weird. Um, Gemini. Gemini. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I I tend to harp on the things I'm not doing and how much more I want to do that I don't spend time on reflecting on what where I've come from and all the growth that I've you know had over the years. So, um, I hate that I'm crying not right now. That's just Um, but I want to say to anybody that got this far into the podcast that you should spend time giving yourself grace um, and reflect on all the things that you've done up until now that have made you and molded you and shaped you into the person that you are um, and all the shit that you've gone through and survived and fucking have been victorious over despite what you know you thought it was going to be or what other people thought it was going to be you're still fucking here you're still doing it and all the haters (laughs) sorry (laughs) the haters can put roadblocks all they want to but it's never going to stop you because they cannot stop you and they cannot stop what's yours from coming to you so give yourself grace and reflect on what you've done and be grateful in every moment. Be grateful for the things you don't have physically because that's how they become yours. Um, so yeah, gratitude. Thank you. I love that. And couldn't agree more with the takeaway for the listeners. I think what I'm taking away mainly from this episode is to make sure that you're putting all of you in everything that you do. I think that in all that you talked about with the different hats that you wear, there's been these common threads of sustainability. There's been these common threads of like being intentional about what you're putting on your body and your body and what's coming out of your body through music, through the sound that you put out. Um, and yeah, just giving flowers. I think that that's what is very important. That's why I wanted to have this podcast platform because I want to give flowers to the people that are in my life, but also I feel like by the end of the episode, uh, the person I'm interviewing usually giving flowers to themselves and they realize that you're not the first person to cry on the podcast. Don't worry, you're to tear up, I should say. Um, but no, it's beautiful. Like, I think that this is humanity. This is storytelling. Like when we really sit back and tell our stories, because even as I was asking the question, like, damn, Joanna did a lot. Like, there's so much that you've done. So I'm honored that you have trusted me uh, to be the first podcast that you've been on. Like I said, it won't be the last time you're on a podcast for sure. Um, 
And then I have one more question. Can't promise it won't also make you tear up, but maybe we'll get a nice heartwarming <laughs> answer out of it. You are, to my understanding, I think you're the third mom to be on the podcast, all with nice. little ones. And so I need to always close out the podcast with the moms with a special mommy corner. And I asked to see the other two moms too, so don't feel like I'm just putting you on the spot. But <laughs> let's fast forward 10 years from now. Your daughter is on YouTube, pulls up this podcast, hears her mom like talk about all that her mom has done. What is your message to close this podcast out for your daughter, your little munchkin, your little rugrat? What, what message are we leaving this podcast with for her? Um, baby girl, you're not an extension of me. You are an individual. You are your own person. And you are not my legacy. You're here to create your own. And I'm here to leave one for you. Um, I'm here to guide you throughout the rest of your travel here and the rest of mine. And... I don't put any pressure on you to be anything other than yourself. Mm. You don't have to be who mommy is. Um, you don't have to strive to do anything that I do. You can just be you. I'll leave anything that I have to give for you here. And you can pick it up and take it or you can leave it. Um, but I just want you to be your best version. And I want you to be slow to anger and quick to love and take care of yourself over anything. Because if you're not well, you can't give, you can't, mm -hmm. you know, you can't be that light for other people if you're not that for yourself. So take care of yourself and mommy will always be here whether I'm physically here or whether I'm in spirit and I'll always be proud of you through any stage of your life I think the audience said it best woof you almost got me with that one I had to hold it together uh thank you uh thank you for the vulnerability uh obviously I think that our listeners will really appreciate just how vulnerable and how transparent you've been on this podcast. Um, and also just the love that you lead with, whether it's as a mom, as an artist, as a person. Uh, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, like I said, trusting me with your time and your story on this podcast, trusting me to help you tell your story on this podcast and for hanging with me for a couple hours. Shout out to your girlfriend too, for hanging out with us in the background uh, <laughs> podcast at this point. Uh, but no, this is beautiful. I think our listeners got such a well encompassing picture of who you are. And I hope that they continue to tap in with you, support you. And I know that your daughter couldn't be more proud. So thank you. Thank you. Thank I you love so you so much. much. And I appreciate everything that you do and and all the ways that you've connected me to what you do. Um, I'm grateful for you and forever eternally grateful for you for um believing in me as an artist and and doing what you've done for me so thank you i'm honored hey the honor is all it's all around i uh, i received that and appreciate the flowers that you've given to me 
Um, I'll still accept the check if you want to cut the check. But... <laughs> hey, hold on now. When I, I plan to go places, so I'm going to hold you to that. Hold me to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we already had a conversation. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but you already agreed to DJ my wedding in the future for free, so... Oh, I remember that. I was outside <laughs> taking equipment wow. out of my trunk. And we were talking about that. And I remember vividly. And I will hold you to that. And I'm not going to charge you whatever DJ Amadai's prices are at that time. I will charge you what they are right now. <laughs> we charge it for free. No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> Actually, free sounds good to me. We'll see where I'm at. If I'm like, it if sounds I'm, like free is that check that you well. <laughs> We'll see what kind of money I got when I get married. If I got the money, you're going to get paid to DJ. No, honestly, wow. free sounds good because back at that point where we're going to be in our lives, that price is going to be damn near free, Kyler. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Because that's going to be damn near free. Hey, it's all up for here, though. Uh, listeners. <laughs> Listeners, I promise y'all at the beginning of the podcast, y'all will get five-star content. Y'all did, so make sure y'all leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Make sure y'all subscribe, like, uh, leave a comment below, shout out like your favorite DJ Almanai song or whatever it might be that's on your mind right now. Um, on top of that, for the listeners who came because they saw Joanne was on the podcast, make sure y'all stick around for some of the other guests too. I know DJ Almanai is all dope and whatnot, but y'all can check out one more quick episode. Um, but in all honesty, I always appreciate y'all listening. Make sure y'all follow the Banquet Hall podcast on all social media platforms at Banquet Hall Pod. And we will catch y'all on a future episode.